0: And in, in an open circle says, we need to. And if we're going to be missional, then we need to work together. If we're gonna reach to our neighbors, it's gonna take us working together, praying together, uh, learning God's word together. We, we were opening the second chapter of Philippians together at Wednesday night. It was at our home, there Maybe there was 15 to 18 of us there. And one man laughed and said, that's the best Bible study I've ever been in. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> but when God's word is opened and God speaks, and often in a home group, you kind of do it in a circle. And so it's not just one person speaking. It's many people speaking. And uh, everybody's got a little different version on their phone or they got a different version of the Bible on their lap. And you begin to kind of kind of dig through God's word and there was a moment in our group that uh, deeply touched a number of people in that circle and that's what happens when God's word is opened so that's what Tom was talking about is meditating on the word of God I have a friend who uh, read the prayer book and then he said I've been around around the Bible all my life but I've never read it this time, he calls me this week and says, "I'm in Judges. <laughs> what do I do? I thought the movies that I watched were crazy, but this—the Word of God is full of." And I said, "It gets so bad that the only answer is Jesus. It gets so dark, the rebellion is so deep, uh, the." The conflict is so great that it just keeps pointing to the need of Jesus. And I told him to just keep (laughs) reading. Because the good news is so good. The reason the good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. That sin robs us of life. That sin breaks us. That there's no way that we can fix ourselves. My wife can't fix me. I can't call my mom. She can pray for me, but she can't fix me. The only way can fix me is Jesus. And as you read through Scripture sometimes, so this really intelligent guy who's going like, I don't know if I can keep reading. I said, just keep reading. Keep reading about the love of God, because you're going to get there. You're going to see how desperate things are and how... how how much we need Jesus in the cross. So it's great when we do that together, right? In families, in youth groups, in Sunday morning times. Uh, last week we went through uh, that little circle and the cross being the center. I'm not sure if they have that up there or not on, on the overhead, but uh, that, the cross is, is at the very center of everything that we do. And the cross changes everything. You can leave that up. That's great. That's a great place to be. Uh, there, we are members of the body of Christ. Everybody say, "Amen." There was a lot of Bearcat spirit Friday night. I wore my crimson quite proudly, right, Eddie? I mean, like, hey, because we be a Tascadero. Sorry, if you're from a Tascadero, we love you. But uh, yeah. there we go. <laughs> But something even tighter than uh, Bearcat's pride is the being part of the body of Christ, being part of uh, the Jesus as a church we're members of one another, and there's something exciting about uh, better together, and then there's something exciting even about like those call to like maybe join a church and you become a voting member, and it's more of a circle it's not like somebody is better than others but together there's going to be those who serve there's going to be those who sing there's going to be those who vote there's going to be and that is that is kind of your call and so here we don't pressure it but it is open and available so we mentioned it last week and there is some information on the very back table as you leave and there's a meeting in, and there's just an opportunity to be part of what we call the voting membership of Christian Life Center. And every church and denominations do things a little bit different, but I wanted to open that up to you. Again, we're 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 better together, and there's a circle. And as we circle around the cross of Jesus Christ, there's much fruit, and uh, there's there's change that takes place. I think, individually and then also as a body as we see what God is is doing. So we're going to open the Word of God right now. The cross changes everything. How many people believe that? Everything. I pray this morning that you sense that as you took communion. Uh, It was very clear as I prepared that next week, we're going to talk about how the cross changes everything again. Meaning, not just to hear it from me, but to hear it from you. And I say, if the cross is the very center of the gospel, if the gospel is the very center of our church, if the, gospel, the cross is the very heart of Jesus, because we're going to look in the moment of Scripture that Jesus declares, this is why I came. I didn't just come to feed the hungry. I didn't just come to heal the blind. I came to go to the cross. That you may have life and have life more abundantly. And so next week, I'm pretty serious about this. I'm looking for ten people who will talk about what the cross means to you. Because pretty soon I'm praying that your neighbor asks you that question and you're ready to answer it. And so Pastor Guy can answer that question, but I want each one here to be able to answer. If they're in elementary school, I would love to have an elementary school student stand up and say, here's a verse on the cross, and this is what it means to me. And sit down, and the next person get up and say, this is a verse about the power of the cross. This is a verse about the love of the cross. This is a verse about Jesus, the person of the cross. This is a verse about resurrection, and how my old man is, and that the church would begin to proclaim the cross. Because if we don't get that right, then we've kind of lost everything. We can go out and start Christian clubs, at schools, and we can support loaves and fishes. And we can do, we have a missionary coming uh, in a couple weeks, uh, and he's in, in the Muslim countries. And we can support him, but we have to understand the cross. Amen? So call me. Say, Pastor Guy, I'm ready. I want to share a verse, and I want to share the glory of God's cross. I want to share the importance of the cross. And I, what I want is that the church to kind of explode next Sunday with, the, with the understanding the cross. Because it's one thing that we shouldn't be mellow about. It's, it's one thing that we, we have to be excited about. And the world looks at us like we're a little bit strange when it talks about eating the flesh of Christ and drinking his blood. They don't get that part, but we have to be able to explain what that means to them and that there is no other way. So let's turn to John chapter 2 together. Jesus begins to talk about the cross real early in the Gospels. Real early. He didn't wait to the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One-third of the Gospels' writing has to do with Jesus' last week, which is pretty powerful because that last week is really, really important. But he starts, and then as you begin, I'm, I'm praying that some of you will bring verses out of the Old Testament that talk about the cross, Because there's plenty. It's not just a New Testament concept. It's an Old Testament promise. So Jesus does his first miracle. Everybody know what his first miracle is? Turning water into wine. This, the first of his miracles, Jesus performed in Cana in Galilee and thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. So, after he turns water into wine in John chapter 2, he gets a little bit crazy. He clears the temple. Wow. The temple is being misused. And he's saying, let's make some room for the cross because it's coming. So let's just kind of read a little bit. Verse 13, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, and he found men men selling cattle and sheep and doves and other, sitting at tables exchanging money. It was like a market instead of a church. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now, that's quite a grand entrance from wine to like, let's make the temple what it's intended to be. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn the Father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded for him, With what miraculous sign? Can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? So he's saying, by what authority are you turning our temple into a, a, a mess? By what authority, do you, by what name do you come and you can think you can turn our temple into like a, a little riot? And Jesus wastes no time. He starts talking about the cross. Wow! John chapter 2. I mean, you begin to turn pages. He's got a lot of wonderful things to do. But he says, first things first. I'm going to put the cross at the very center of this. So they asked what sign, what authority, what miracle. And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will rise it again in three days days. And the Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what he had said, then they believed the scripture And the words that Jesus had spoken. Wow. The power of the cross. So those are the types of questions like, when did Jesus introduce the cross to his disciples? When did Jesus begin to proclaim the power and the importance of the cross? Because we know Paul does a great job. I'm praying next week some of you we'll pick some Roman verses, and some of you will pick some Colossian verses, and some of you will pick some Galatian verses. But like, what did Jesus say about the cross? And he starts in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, which is the great Nicodemus story, right? Everybody knows the Nicodemus. John three sixteen is part of the Nicodemus story. Jesus, this is chapter 3, verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And I love that that word, born again, is in Scripture. Uh, it's not just a churchy word. And, and, and Nicodemus, thank God for Nicodemus, asks a really good question, how can you be born again? Like, really clear question. Like, do I have to go back into my mother's womb? Because when world, the world begins to hear about spiritual things... It's just like the Jews. Well, it took us 46 years to build this temple. And you're crazy, man. Like, you're going to do it in three days? So they were talking about a physical temple, and Jesus was talking about a spiritual temple. Uh, Nicodemus was asking kind of a physical question, and Jesus was a- answering it in a spiritual way. And the cross was even at the, at the center of this message uh, How can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the spirit. So he's talking about spiritual things. Flesh gives a birth to flesh. There's a lot of water. There's a lot of flesh in in a birth but when it comes to spirit, the spirit gives birth to the spirit. So there's a first birth, the physical birth, and then there's a spiritual birth, a second birth. We, as a youth ministries, celebrate spiritual birthdays. And young men and young women have began to mark their Bibles and actually know that date. Because the Bible says that there's a physical birth. How many people know your physical birth day? May 2nd, 58. My spiritual birthday. So is anybody here know their spiritual birthday? Who could just shout out their date? Okay, this is February... 14th, 2014. And what happened on February 14th, 2014? Friday night, we're having a worship service, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. So you were born... What's your birthday? My actual birthday? August 1st, 2000. So that's one birthday, but now we're talking about a second birthday. A spiritual birthday. Amen? Anybody else know your spiritual birthday? I was six years old, and I don't know my spiritual birthday. I remember the moment like crazy because I was at a family camp, and the Lord, you have your day? February fifteenth, 2000. And what happened that day? Except I got my second birthday. Amen. And that has to do with what? Your efforts or the efforts of the cross? The cross and what Jesus did for me. And what's your favorite statement about the cross? It's the, it's the, the cross plus nothing. Nothing else is going to get us head to heaven. The cross plus nothing is one of Corey's. And so I hang around Corey, and I catch myself saying, it's the cross plus nothing. It's the cross, the love of the cross, the power of the cross, the joy of the cross, the victory of the cross, and it's nothing else. We're not saved by works. We respond to the cross. We respond. So worship is a response to the grace that God has given us. We don't earn it and we don't deserve it. Somebody else have their hand up? There's Judy, yeah, do you have a you know your date? Because I don't know back then it wasn't like I don't know my date. <laughs> Here we go. I love this. I love this. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to sit next to her and be real nice. Yeah, I was back in the old days. Uh, (laughs) Uh, July 13th, 1963, at youth camp in Memphis, Tennessee, where I learned to say y'all. And what else you learned? That Jesus uh, accepted me just as I was. Even as a kid, uh, you have a sense of. There's things about you that aren't right. And Jesus was the only one that was going to make that right through his cross. Well, that was awesome. Anybody else? Eddie, you remember your date? <laughs> that seventh great. is talking to Nicodemus and he says no one has ever come into heaven except the one who came from heaven the son of man just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert so the son of man will be lifted up and everyone who believes in him may have eternal life what is Jesus referring to How was the Son of God lifted up? On the cross. So even in John 3, we have whispers of the cross. Later on, Jesus stops whispering, and he starts kind of shouting about the power and the necessity of the cross. Do you you know the story in Numbers? I'll just kind of read part of it to you. This is Numbers chapter 21. They, which is the God's people in the wilderness, they traveled from Mount Or along the route to the Red Sea. This is Numbers 21 verse 4. But the people grew impatient on their way, and they spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in this desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. <laughs> That's why I told my friend, just keep reading. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. What does the word venomous mean? Poisonous snakes. And they bit them the people, and many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we've sinned when we speak against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. That's not a bad prayer. A prayer of repentance and a prayer of deliverance. So Moses prayed for the people. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who was bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. So John chapter 3 is exactly the story. And it wasn't a snake that was lifted on the pole. It was who? It was Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Let me keep going. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Amen? So the whole, even the very beginning of of John, the cross is beginning to be spoken of by Jesus. The cross changes everything. I told my wife today, this morning I got back from my just being here, and I said, I've never bought a cross, I've never worn a cross. I, but I think it's about time because if the cross plus nothing, I mean, maybe I need to wear it to realize it's everything. I knew it was everything, but maybe I need to be reminded because I'm a little bit dense sometimes because sometimes it's my effort. Sometimes it's a good worship song. Sometimes it's a great verse. Sometimes it's a great friend. Sometimes it's just the blessings of God will get me through. And as we, as a church, move forward, we have to remember it's the cross plus nothing. And Jesus begins to declare this really, really early in the Gospels. This is what I'm still learning as a pastor, because I have just started, which is good, because that means I got overflow. Uh, But like now, it's like you guys are like, it's one o'clock. I'm hungry. (laughs) So we'll continue on this. But in Matthew 16, he comes to his disciples and he says, Who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this incredible statement You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by men, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And now the disciples are getting it, and he says, Okay, now you've got it. I'm not going to whisper anymore. I'm going to proclaim. What comes next is the cross. And so in chapter 16 and 17, 18, 19, 20. You get all these references to here comes the cross, guys. You're not going to like it. Uh, in fact, Peter did not like the word. You wanna, this is where it happens. So he makes this great declaration. You are the son of the living God. That's who you are. And then Jesus, the next verse. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things in the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he'll be he'll raised again. And what is Peter? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. This will never happen. The cross, you, you, that will never happen. He knew about the cross, but he couldn't see Jesus on the cross. And what did Jesus do to Peter, the rock of the church? He rebuked him. Because the cross was a must. It was the reason that Jesus came. And when we get to it next week, maybe that'll be my verse. It says that I knew what I've come, and I've come to die on the cross for you. And he makes it really clear. And poor Peter was struggling and say, uh, this will never happen. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Woo! In one moment, he's building his church on the profession of Peter, not the man, but the profession of Peter. And the next moment, he's saying, What you're speaking, you do not understand. The cross is why I came, because the, the cross of Jesus Christ changes everything. Your marriage is important, your retirement count is important, your kids are important. Uh, when your oil change is coming up next, it's important. But nothing is as important as the cross of Jesus Christ. And then we have to decide what we're going to do with the cross. You have to decide, what am I going to do with the cross? Am I going to reject the cross? Or am I going to receive the cross? And each one of us make that decision. When Jesus began to push began to not whisper by the cross, but he began to get a little bit louder, the crowds went away. One moment he's feeding the 5,000, and then the next moment he says, but what you really need to eat is of my body. And that's going to happen on the cross. And you need to receive that the news is so bad you can't fix yourself. And the blood of Jesus takes away the sins of the world. A sinless man in Christ Jesus, our God, Lord, and Savior is going to die for you. And the crowds went away. Because then he says, not only am I going to find a cross, but guess what? You're going to find a cross. It may be a different type of cross, but you need to take up your cross and follow me. I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this part of the story. But the, the way that we can carry our cross is because he's already carried his. And he's overcome sin. He's overcome Death, and he's taken my sin and your sin and abolished it. And then, as Rachel did so well, he doesn't just take your sin, but he declares you as righteous. So now he puts this beautiful, I think Paul calls it like new clothing, a a new robe, kind of like the prodigal son The father gave him a ring and sandals and put a brand new robe and says, my son who was once lost is now found. The son that was once dead is now alive. And that's what we're talking about, how the cross changes everything. Some of the worship team come up. and uh, So now you get to, uh, easiest way to find cool verses is Google, Google them. I mean, just put the cross, put the blood of Jesus. I mean, you'll have so many great verses to look at, and then you ask the Holy Spirit, like, where to start. So if you start with Scripture, that's the best place. Eventually, you might read a theologian, but let the Holy Spirit be your theologian. I mean, there are, there are some amazing verses that talk about the, the, not just the, the joy of the cross, the freedom of the cross, And we as a church need to proclaim those, and then we begin to live in that joy and that freedom. Do you have a song for us, Chad? You got one in mind? Chad's always got something in mind. So let's stand together, and we're going to close in just uh, worshiping a God, loving a God, lifting His name, bowing our knees.